You're listening to the Double Dose Podcast with Dr. Trish and Jeff Todd. Hello, Dr. Trish. Hi, Jeff. Good afternoon. Good afternoon to you. Back again for another Double Dose Podcast, and we are on location. This is actually fun. We should do this more often. Or maybe we do all of our podcasts here. There's worse places to do podcasts than where we're currently at. We are at Proper Cannabis in St. Louis. Yes. And why don't you go ahead and introduce our special guest. You know him really well. I do. This is my friend, um, my business associate, my future boss. Well, maybe he is my boss. Yeah, you're my boss now. Future more of a boss. John Pennington. Welcome, Mr. Pennington. Whenever Trish talks, I blush. <laughs> yeah, she's a she does a great intro. She yeah. does a really good job. I mean, you should hear the things she says about me, and like a, only a maybe a sixteenth of it's true. My oh. name is Jeff, and after that, everything else is fake. Really, that's true. Everything here is true. Per- you are an honest soul. Well, we'll let the double dose audience dictate that. So, John, what is your technical title here at Proper Cannabis? My technical title is founder and CEO. So, uh, like any growing business, I'm still figuring out what that role means, but uh, I've got to, I need to know a little bit about everything. And Proper's involved in and I'm learning as we go as well, but Proper's involved in a lot of different things in the cannabis industry. I mean, it's not just one facet. There's a lot of different businesses coming around Proper Cannabis. Jeff, you do this. You've jumped right into the good stuff, and we haven't really introduced John well. Right, but I'm getting to that. Okay. I'm just laying, this is called laying the groundwork that Uh, proper is not just one business. It's a lot of businesses. Therefore, properly presented as the, as a CEO, he does a lot of things. He, yes. That's what I'm getting Little did you know, my brother is a voiceover actor. So like right now I'm, I'm actually trying to put myself in his perspective of how he speaks into the microphone. Well, when Trish comes to work for you, maybe your brother can get me a job and then, cause I'll be unemployed. So. You'll always be with me, Jeff. Oh, boy. In my heart, at least. <laughs> Chauffeur. Tell us a little bit about yourself, John. What is your background, and how did you get to here at Proper Cannabis? Well, um, how much time do we have? As long as it takes. So, you know, I think quick background. I uh, born and raised here in St. Louis. Um, I'm a son of a social worker, formerly female executive, and a father who's a attorney, pretty philosophical. I've always been a serial entrepreneur. Uh, started my own business when I, I lived, when I was in high school. Um, had a fond of real estate uh, as a result of that business. Became a high school teacher, taught history and geography, coached. And um, then I started buying real estate. And uh, we have a company called Savoy Properties. I own that with two other partners. Um, and we have a nice business. Um, you know, we, we own, manage and develop assets in the area. Um, and a few years ago, maybe six or seven, we built the state of Missouri's largest non-for-profit methadone treatment center. Um, and I started using cannabis 
when I was 16 um, regularly. Uh, I stopped recreationally probably in college, but I, I still believe to this day that cannabis at an early age um, helped me in ways that I didn't have someone like Trish diagnose or allow for that opportunity to take place. So fast forward to me building this building and being a part of how drugs function, how the FDA works, how addictions are often a result of consumer behaviors driven by pharmaceutical companies completely transform my opinion of addiction. And then Trish and I met and we formed or helped form the Missouri Cannabis Trade Association. And it was clear then that this was not going to be an industry that I was going to be reactionary to. So well put. So that's a little about me and how I got here. So not a lot going on under the surface. We got it. You're a really basic guy, <laughs> just your average high school teacher turned entrepreneur, turned real estate mogul, turned methadone clinic builder, cannabis company founder. Got it. Basics. Yeah, I'm actually pretty simple. Yeah, know? really. Yeah. It sounds I, very I know simple. I, I'm pretty simple, but I enjoy complexities. And he's young and he has a family. And I have a beautiful wife, Jenna, who I've been with since I was 16. And we have four kids, Franklin, Rose, Stella, and Ryder, all under the age of 11. And they're named after family names and Grateful Dead songs. How about that for a trivia question? That's right. Of course he likes fish. Yeah, but I like the dead more. Otherwise, I would never name my kids after dead songs. So True. So you, you can see there's, you know, there's my family and my interests, my background, my mind. What else do you want to know, Jeffrey? I think that's the single best uh, summary of a person I've ever heard anybody actually give of themselves. That's right. So then you you get involved in this this methadone clinic. You, that that obviously is a it's a unique part of medicine. You really the comment you made about seeing how pharmaceutical companies work. I mean, it's it's evident in your face when you're dealing with patients that are on methadone and maybe getting off heroin and all those kind of things. And then then proper cannabis comes along. Hold on, hold on. There, give us the evolution of proper because I I knew you. When this all started, I would, it wasn't in your head, and there were lots of things happening before I got to know you very well. But how did proper? Because your business and your vision, I think, is top level, particularly in the industry in Missouri. So walk me through that. The law was clear, right? Right. We, we didn't know what the outcome was going to be, knowing there was three different bills jockeying for each other as November of the election was arriving. So three different cannabis legislation bills were introduced in the November 2018 legislative. Yeah. MOCAM was formed kind of in April, May as kind of a, a precursor to helping be a part of seeing that the industry had certain standards and expectations. So that made sense to us. Then we eventually supported amendment two and, and I started tracking that bill. That made sense. So I, um, a big, how I function, I think, as I've learned my mind is how do you get thoughts out? And I just kept thinking about this and it, it made a lot of sense in my mind and I could see it. And then I started talking with my wife about it. I started talking to my partner, Craig, about it. My real estate partners, 
Um, and it just felt and hit me every way. Right. And then you just start pushing and communicating, writing things down. And eventually you get things from your mind on paper and then you go fucking execute on it. Right. I mean, so I don't know if we can cuss my kids. Sorry. That's my mind. This is a uh, PG-13 to R-rated podcast. You can do whatever yeah. you want. That's exactly right. So, I, you know, I think the the um, vision started, um, you know, through various conversations, thought, late nights, thinking about what could happen, how it could happen, what needs to happen. And, um, you know, the puzzle pieces were there. And then kind of you got to put the puzzle pieces together. So... Um, you know, this building that we're in, uh, for example, we we put it under contract four days before the election because I knew that there was going to be people jockeying for real estate. So the real estate piece was was key. You have to educate lawmakers on entitlements and on zoning, and uh, that was super easy to me. And probably the most fascinating component that I, that excites me the most is the people that work here, you know, and you start thinking about, well, what could this look like and what brands you're going to make and how you're going to do it. And, um, you know, you meet people like Trish and then this guy shows up and you start putting more puzzle pieces together. You've always emphasized the team that you had to have the right people to make it work, that it was never just you and your initial team, you and Craig, you brought in Matt. Tell us about Matt, because I see him, I see you as the entrepreneur. I see you as the real estate guy. I see you with this, a lot of vision. And you introduced me to Matt, um, and I was like, wow, that team, the three of you, made sense. It was like this group that you could see success. Yeah, Matt and I, we met, I think it was maybe a few weeks after the election. and. Um, we went to call these coffee and we were introduced by a mutual friend. And I think we both thought that it was going to be kind of like this blow off blind date. And, you know, even the business perspective, you know, someone introduces you and you don't really have expectations and you just assume it's going to be another meeting. You go along with your day and we hit it off. We ended up talking for probably three to four hours. Um, and there was a number of, um, factors that kind of stand out or still stand out of like that particular meeting. Um, you know, one, for example, is that he grew up three minutes from this facility, um, literally three minutes. So when he learned that this building was real, like that was a sign by itself. Um, you know, and like any relationship or conversation, you get to know people and there's an element of like just instinct and, that sense that you felt. And I think we both felt it. Um, and then we kept talking. Um, and he was in Colorado. At the he was time. in Colorado at the time. And he, he had a, he had a really good job for a company that in my opinion, plateaued. And I had learned that there was a number of really good people that had left the industry to go on to do really neat things across the country with, uh, still to this day, really good companies. And I uh, started kind of poking them. I said, well, what's up? And I realized that there was a, um, 
an issue or a challenge with the leadership of his company. I said, well, that's what I like to do. Um, and so it goes back to this kind of process and mindset where, um, like any team, you got to know your role. You got to know a vision. You got to share goals. And Matt, you know, is, he knows cannabis, uh, but more importantly, he believes it and he um, expects that how we do things here should be at the highest level um, and making sure that we create products and processes that um, the patients deserve. And he doesn't waver from that expectation of quality and that's how he is. But, you know, and I've helped him on the business side. So, so Matt was essential for the cultivation or growth of a product that would keep you at the top. Yeah. You know, we, we had talked um, about the type of company that we thought could not just work, but what made sense for us. And I think the commitment to quality and the commitment to doing things the right way, eventually what we say cliche, the proper way that just kind of stood out. Um, so you know, that doesn't mean you have all the answers and solutions and everything solved. It's just, you know, when you have certain values and you have um, those guiding you, then you just keep making decisions to improve that situation. That's your governing philosophy. So how did you come up with the name proper? Because it fits. Yeah, we, you know, we interviewed a few different, like, marketing branding folks. And... um yeah, it, 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 went, it took like probably three different um, trials of interviews. And ultimately, we, we thought the word um, was something that people could resonate with, that made sense, that could fit with a lot of things. And uh, again, once it kind of came out somehow, it just felt right. And then you start designing labels and all that jazz. So it's like, yeah, that it's... It's a name, what's proper, and just kind of hit us. So share with us the proper business. We're in a proper facility now, which is a cultivation center. Manufacturing Matt, facility. Manufacturing. Yeah. So here we're at our headquarter uh, in Rock Hill, Missouri, one of the 91 municipalities in St. Louis. It's another challenge and issue we have. Um, but um, proper is a vertical licensed real estate company that – uh, cultivates high quality genetics and flower uh, that we then extract um, and harvest um, in various fashions. Um, the harvest has a very strict process that eventually ends up in flower form. Um, and then the extraction process yields, the viewers can't see this, of course, or the listeners, right? All these brands over here. So we have, you know, 40 or 50 different SKUs across five brands, um, you know, six or seven different form factors. So that's a manufacturing branding side. Then we distribute uh, to dispensaries across the state. Um, I think there's maybe 120 or 130 that are open and we're in. Our products have been sold in the majority of them. And then we happen to own a couple of dispensaries um, and we uh, can announce that we are buying another dispensary and we just were awarded another retail license and we were just awarded another cultivation license. So um, the company will continue to evolve at levels that 
are very real and we're contemplating what it takes to do that. And now we have more puzzle pieces we got to put together. How many employees do you have now? We have about 150. And, do you, and at this time last year, we had eight. Do you have transportation involved in proper as its own part of the company? Or? Yeah. Yeah. So we have a, we do have a transportation license, which is um, really just a way that we can more readily um, transport product from our facilities to the state. Um, it is technically another license, but uh, yes, we do all that here. And then we got, you know, the whole front of the house and, because for some listeners that don't understand this, every piece of the puzzle of cannabis is a separate license, basically, right? Yeah, yeah. So you have companies that can grow or cultivate, then you have companies that can ship, then companies that can sell. But there's how many pieces to that puzzle are there? There's cultivation, yeah, where you grow it, manufacturing where you put it together in a usable form, dispensaries where you can sell it, labs where you can test it security to take care of those needs in all of those locations, transportation to move the product, and then the legal aspect of cannabis. You have changes in banking and finance now. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're essentially running, I'd say, five different businesses here. It just happens to legally fall under one legal entity. Um, but the functions of the business are very different. I think we have maybe 17 or 18 different directors or, you know, managers who have like accountability over a specific function. So it's a lot. I mean, it's, um, you know, that's a it's, they're, they're different stuff. I mean, you look at brands and, you know, that that's marketing, you know, I mean, cultivating is farming, extracting and manufacturing is, is science, cultivating is science. And ultimately the product is science. You know, the functions are different. I don't think that that part is really understood by the the lay person. Like, I mean, I we have patients that come in and obviously we talk about cannabis, but I don't think all the moving parts are really appreciated. And like how, I mean, it's, that's a hard business. It's regulated. That's the difficulty. You have to, it's so regulated. Well, I think what what's so exciting about it is, you know, the paradigm shift of, of marijuana as a drug has shifted and now it's like cannabis as a, a medicine and lifestyle. So, um, you know, the number of people who are now consuming our products who previously thought this was the devil, um, Devil's you know, or, lettuce. yeah, you know, is it's, it's very real. My mom is one of them. She used to be a drug counselor and she now consumes some of our edibles and products to help her sleep. And she's like, man, I wish I would have known about this. 20 years ago when you were a rug rat and your brothers and sisters were running around. Instead, they're using Ambien yeah, or some right. other medication. Well, you think about, so it goes back to what I said about the methadone treatment center. 98% of heroin addicts begin by abusing pain meds and uh, nothing against pain management or medication. Uh, but if you have enough money, you can go convince the FDA that your research is valid. Not that all medicines are bad. Um, and I think the biggest obstructionists to the industry historically have been the pharmaceutical companies, the tobacco and alcohol companies, consumer um, related companies. And those are now the people that want to get in the space. So because they lost the fight. 
trying to keep you out. Because they haven't lost yet. They're losing the fight. Well, we're taking over market share because our products are better. They make people feel better. The quality of life is better. And in and, and many instances, they're doing better for the patient. So they're safer yeah. in some cases. But there's certainly a lot of people who should not consume cannabis, like anything, right? Where they say like two and a half percent of the population will always abuse something. So those are the same people that should not consume that something. And that's what I, I, uh, I appreciate about you and is that there is knowledge and acceptance that cannabis is not the panacea. It is not always safe. And there are certain indications where it should be avoided. So there are some proponents of marijuana, cannabis, um, that are more zealots to me because they don't acknowledge that. And I, I appreciate that because it is just like anything else. There are pluses and minuses and good and bad and where good sometimes blurs into bad. And there are people who can have cannabis disorders. Yeah, and that, and those are real, very real. And I think that's where, you know, getting back to proper, what we're trying to do, and I don't think it's too ethereal, is like you need to educate the customer and the consumer. What's going on with you? What have you been doing? Okay, well, let's try this and come back in a week and let's talk about it. How do you do that in your dispensaries? Because this is a huge question that comes up for us with our patients. How do I know what to use? And I give them resources if I don't have the time to spend with them. But the bud tenders or the patient educators and the dispensaries, how well trained are they in the proper dispensaries? I don't think they're trained as well as they should be, but I think, you know, part of it is is we're all learning, right? So I think what we try to do is a patient or customer walks in. Who are you? Why are you here? You have to engage with them on a human level and figure out some reason why they're there if you can get them to communicate. That's hard. Some people are dealing with something they don't want to talk. Um, some people are more forthright. But I think if you can if you can get to that, then you have the ability to engage in a in a dialogue or conversation. At that point, they're trained to to then help them based on what comes from that discussion. And then let's connect them to a product um, that that um, can really help them. I want to dovetail here into a little bit of cannabis one hundred and one because it's one of the hurdles we have when we talk to patients, or I have when I talk to patients about cannabis is. It's what Dr. Herford's alluding to. It's patients go, well, I don't know what to take and, you know, what do I need? And then we always say, well, the dispensary will help educate you on that. But then how are the, how is the dispensary making that decision? And I, I know the answer, but I want to hear it from you is that I know that there's different types of product and each product has its own unique, um, I don't know, their, their own unique properties. But then, so is proper built together a panel of, different products that kind of address different things with it, whether it's ratios and can you touch on what ratios are and if they're important and just a little bit of how we get to all these different products and why these, some products might be better than, than others for certain things. Yeah. I want to, you said dovetail. So I'm going to dovetail back and role play with me here. Cause you're a doc and I'm not exposing you, but on average, how many minutes does a patient spend with the doctor when they come into the practice? With the doctor, less than with the PA. Um, so Jeff is really good with 
staying with patients and spending more time. But I would say on average, 11 minutes. 11 minutes, right? And I That's would start to finish. Start to finish. So you're trained to figure out how to diagnose and figure out what's happening in an 11 minute stretch. And, and for your practice, it's a little bit more hyper focused and they're there for a specific reason. But, you know, the average person maybe goes to the doctor once every year or two. Right. Right. So if you take that logic and say, okay, I'm going to see my doctor. Well, what's happened in their lives over the last two years that they're trying to sort through? It's not necessarily just something physical. It's not necessarily, um, you know, chemical. It could be mental. Um, and in pain. Pain. All of those. You know, all so, of the above. right. And, you know, not everybody can solve for that in 11 minutes. So typically there's a process of elimination and likely what happens is the patient walks away with what? A prescription. Yeah. So Walgreens and CVS are on the corners, the highest valued real estate. Most people don't know who their pharmacist is. So over a two year stretch, you go see the doc, you meet him for 11 minutes, you walk away with the script, you show up to CVS, nobody knows who their pharmacist is, and they just assume that during that 11 minutes, they should take whatever they take, and very rarely do they read the back of the script and understand who made it, what's in it, what their effect should be, what not to do, but they certainly trust you, right? So, And they may not even be aware of what, what medicine or what prescription they received is treating what symptom they presented to that physician for. Totally. So now dovetail into a different conversation. I was with a guy who used to be the former chief marketing officer of like one of the Kellogg's brands, Cheez-Its and Pringles. Yum. Yum. Salt and vinegar. Yeah. When's the last time you just had one Cheez-It or chip? Never. Never. So John, you ever read the back of a Cheez-It box? The answer or is Trish, no. have you? No. The answer is no. Yeah. So the point is in the consumer Calories. business, <laughs> the ingredients on the back, even though they're there, are actually triggered to keep you to Keep going in. And they're in the business of what? Selling Cheez-Its. Selling more Cheez-Its. So whether you're in the pharmaceutical business or whether you're in the anything consumer business, that's what you're driven to do. So getting back to your question and the dovetail back is, okay, we believe that there are different ways cannabis can affect the body um, and improve or supplement other medicines, not replace, not solve. It's not going to cure cancer. So when you think about form factors, when you inhale something, it gets in your bloodstream. The onset is two minutes and it may last an hour to two hours. If you consume something and digest it, it gets in your, it gets in your digestive tract. Your metabolism is different than mine. The onset is 30 to 45 minutes. It's going to last a few hours. If you take something sublingually, it gets in your saliva glands, kind of a combination between your bloodstream and your digestive tract. So at the end of the day, you should take a different form factor based on what's actually happening or what's going on. So then you flip it and say, okay, let's get into mental health. If somebody is depressed, what do they need help with? Dealing with what? Well, depression is a whole, I mean, this is not an easy answer and it's not a medicine. It's not a medicine. But it's mental. 
Yeah, it's all it's all whatever that maybe it's genetics, maybe it's chemical, maybe it's reactive. Yes. Okay. So if somebody if somebody is anxious, it's a different mental disorder. Correct. Right. So I would argue that if you gave a depressed patient the same product as an anxious patient, it would have different effects for them. I agree. Right. They should not take the same product or the same dose or the same form. So a proper, getting back to the form factor, someone who's anxious, you got to relax them, right? Somebody who's depressed, they need a little bit more enrichment, right? So if I went to anybody and said, hey, I've got 10 different pills. I don't know what they are, but just take them. They'd be like, dude, you're fucking crazy. Well, cannabis should be no different. Who made it? What's in it? What's the form factor? What's the desired effect? And that's what we have to improve. We have to educate people to know, A, this is really what's going on with me. And B, do I trust the people who are making it that want to help me out? So going back to the, the, the retail side, I, I don't think it's too ethereal or far-fetched. Let's figure out what the fuck's going on in somebody's life. Because if you can do that, then you can at least help improve the situation. So we actually designed, if you remember the original launch of the business was in 2018. The laws weren't even announced. And we talked about the word vulnerability. Right. Right. And that actually was the initial vision is creating a platform where we could get people to be more open and honest about what's going on in their lives in times of risk, uncertainty, or in an emotional experience. And have you accomplished that? I don't know. That's what I'm, that's what I'm working <laughs> on. So I don't know if that's far-fetched, but again, you're asking questions and I'm just responding in a way that my mind's moving. That's right. And the goal is that there has to be a quick, fast, effective, reliable way to start analyzing patients, not just in the cannabis industry, but from a medical standpoint across the board. Yeah. And we have to start studying it more and researching it. And I think it, uh, you know, we've talked about um, trying to connect personalities with you know, consumer behaviors and habits. And, and can that draw a conclusion as to what you take based on your DNA and your personality? Can we eventually get to the point where you've got different genetics that we know can solve this or improve this? We're getting closer, but you need the federal government that can permit companies to actually study it, research it legally. So you're a proponent of taking away the scheduled classification of cannabis from a schedule one drug. Oh yeah. Yeah. And in a perfect world, it would be medically legal right? everywhere, but the business is now too big. So, you know, the other thing we have to look out for is there are patients and people. And I think that it's still in that, I, I believe that two and a half percent range who come in and probably shouldn't be consuming. Right. Which is two and a half percent of everything. Everything. Like, that shouldn't huge. consume Diet Coke. Because some yeah. people drink too much Diet Coke. Sex, or, drugs, alcohol, you name it. Yeah. Yeah. Gambling. Sports. I've been there. Let's get to the fun stuff. Oh, yeah. I'm, where, I'm like, I'm, where this is the, like serious shit. Where did the miracle seeds come from? If you can't oh, have man. seeds in Missouri, yeah. how did the... How did the Back up. Okay. You're doing a Jeff. you right, got I'm to so give that... You've got to give that some... This business of yours is like... You, you jumped through some really crazy hoops of some laws that just don't make any damn sense anymore. And one is the seeds. So federally it's illegal to 
move seeds across the country, correct? Across state lines. Across state lines. So Missouri, it's legal. Um, Kansas, it's not. Kansas, it's not. So these seeds have to be brought in through Immaculate Conception? Yeah. Yeah. And we had what we called Operation, I don't know what we called it, Operation like Thundercat or something. <laughs> seed <laughs> I, relocation. Yeah, it was Operation something, and somehow like 6,000 plants just arrived here. They sprouted. Yeah. It's like Jack and the Beanstalk. So they went through the clouds and they accidentally dropped through the crowd. It's an asinine law, though. And most of our plants at the time were actually just little clones. So, by way of the law, those clones weren't able to be flower. Um, but, you know, it's um, everybody at one point was in the black market of this business. I mean, it's, that's just the facts. That's only been legal for you know, a dozen or so years in California and Colorado. So, um, you know, we, uh, I think we've got close to 10,000 plants or 12,000 plants in the building. And, um, one day they just showed up. I think they purposely did not tell me. I think that's probably But I was good. here and I'm like, holy shit. Like we got a How- sea of green. <laughs> How much have those plants changed from the first seedlings you have? to like what you're growing now, have they been modified at all? Because you're constantly working on those things, right? Developing. Yeah. So we actually did not bring in seeds. There are some companies who will start by planting. We brought in clones and we brought in mother plants. Um, And um, in our facility here, we have um, what we call vegetation rooms that are made up of vegetative plants and mama plants and no different than mamas. The babies come and are birthed from their moms. There's so plant sex happening all over the place here. Yeah. But once you have moms and you can cut clones, then you put those clones and, you know, that are about two inches and they grow. And once they develop roots, you convert them to a vegetative state. And then they're in the vegetative state for about three weeks. And then we flip them into a flower room. We actually, we have, we name all of our rooms here. Kind of cool. Grateful so, dead names. Uh, Kind of. So the, the mother rooms are named after the three founders' moms. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. And then uh, the first room was the Grateful Room. Um, and then we have a room called Colorado. Uh, Matt and a lot of guys got their start in Colorado. Uh, there's a room called the Fog Room. Uh, Craig went to KU and is a KU basketball fan, and there's the Fog Allen Fieldhouse. Uh, we have the Pappen Room, which our director of cultivation grew up on Pappen Street um, and was uh, mentored by three folks that lived on Pappen. Um, then we have the Rainbow Room, which uh, is a really cool story that we can share offline. Uh, and then we have the Basement Room, because at one point, the best plants started in the basement. So... The idea behind that is instead of having bedroom one or flower room one, you have a name and it creates a purpose or an identity when you walk in that space. Jeff, go ahead. You want to know about names. You like names. I, I love cool stories, backstories to these things. I think it's neat that how much thought was given to everything and then how personal every step of the process is. I do find that really interesting. I thought you were talking about the product names. Which oh, is the, is I, but the I one just part I, of the cannabis industry 
that I wish I could change. I, I can't what? do it. I have too much respect for John that I can't oh. trash it in front of him. But oh, come on, dude. I, well, it is a fucking joke, John. All up, these names are a fucking joke. Like, yeah. like to look at Granny Smith, who's got back pain, and I got to go, hey, you should really try med- medical marijuana. You need to go down to Proper's Dispensary, and then you need to get some Kush Kush Boom Boom Purple Dick Tickle Dwickle yeah. and uh, take two grams of that, and that'll be great. That'll really get your back pain feeling yeah. better. I feel like a fucking moron yeah, well, every time. Well, I'm glad you <laughs> toned Is that, that what you down. wanted? I'm glad you toned that down. <laughs> Have you tried any of those, by the way? No, I mean, the, <laughs> the Tickle chick- Dickle, will, tickle yeah. dickle was really good, but I don't think you guys sell that here. But yeah, sure. <laughs> I don't want to talk about your competitors. Uh, no, man, like you think about it, like it's human nature to want what you can't have. And there's an element of like, you know, supply and demand. So, you know, like some people like fine wine that they don't make a lot of. Some people like single barrel bourbon. Some people like organic fruits. But Cannab- can we work on it? Cannabis is no different, dude. You you want to, you want to, you want to consume the the proper shit. Right, but can we work on it? Can we say it's at proper names. at proper it's called at proper it's called elevate and elevate is actually the proper name for purple dickle-wickle or something. No, but, can we change uh, no, the names? No, but hold on. So like right now we actually we are we do have genetics that we are uh, creating in the back and uh it's it's part of a of our new uh, commitment to constantly improve and you know Trish and Dennis get married. They go have a kid and they have a second and third kid. They came from the same sources, but they're different kids. They're different names. They've got different genetics, right? Same DNA. So it's no different. You cross, you know, Trish and Jeff and. Oh boy. You know? You, oh boy. Let me tell you what you got there. Yeah. A so, shit show. <laughs> yeah. Well, once you have that strain, you know, the Trish and Jeff special, you covet it. You know, and it's like make a thoroughbred. Sure. Totally. So that's the deal, bro. I get it. This started several years ago, though. CBD was a big thing, and it was really big to carry CBD in a lot of medical offices. We had a lot of patients asking, and Trish goes, "Hey, I want you to find out about CBD in the office." And I said, "Okay." And I called some company in Cali- or Colorado, and I said, "Hey, we're interested in having CBD and white label in it." And, and the guy was like, "How many kilos do you want?" And I'm like fuck are you talking about? How many kilos do I want? Is Pablo Escobar sending me this shit? And he was like, I can get you 500 kilos of CBD and then you'll have to transport it to a packaging facility. And I was like, I fucking wanted bottles of 60 capsules. That's all I wanted, man. I just want 60 <laughs> capsules come a long way with a sticker. Patrick system. Yeah. yeah Kilo- and then it'll never catch Kilogram. on. Any, it'll never catch on. Yeah. Not really. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. Well, we have, really. we, we have, we have, the equivalent of thousands of pounds of cannabis in the back. Can you? Yeah, he's challenged so, with the kilograms. So uh, divide that by two. Siri, can you divide? 2.2. degrees Celsius. I can yeah. do. I, listen, I, I am medically trained. I can do the division. I just thought it, it was. You can pull up the uh, conversion on your to phone. To me, it's just a mistake in the business world. In medicine, like. The CBD world was a big mistake. You wanted to be legalized. You wanted to be legitimized, but yet you were still using these drug words. And I thought it was a, I thought it was a tactical mistake. You do, you use the word marijuana. I almost never use marijuana. Yeah. It's too dark. Yeah. And it's too. Cannabis. Proper cannabis. Cannabis. Yeah. So. 
with the Jeff and Trish strain. I would maybe, I am different than you guys. Like I'm not nearly as educated or have any real experience with this stuff. So I would argue by using the word marijuana though, maybe it helps demystify it and normalize it because cannabis sometimes to me does seem very scientific. It almost comes across medical. I get that why you're using it, but I also think it is marijuana. And if marijuana is not a big deal, then use the word marijuana. And we want people to, I don't want to say not a big deal, but we don't want it to be dark and dirty. But it is stigmatized. Do you think marijuana is more stigmatized than cannabis? Probably. Probably. I mean, that's why. Yeah, that's, why that's right. That's, but, but that's my point is if you just, if a trained medical professional like Trish Herford uses the word marijuana all the time, maybe you destigmatize it. I still call it grass. And we got the, we got ratio and we got, now we call it honeybee. And I, you'll eventually just, you know, you fast forward 10, 15 years and you'll be able to call it by a brand, right? So you'll be able to look at, oh, a honeybee. Yeah. That's a, that's a cannabis product. And how many milligrams in it? Who made it? Like, I think that's the way the industry is going. All right. Talk about your brands. So you mentioned them. Yeah. So, I love this. This too was visionary here. And I think other companies are um, falling in line. But I do believe you sort of started this process, at least in Missouri, in my opinion. So every market, you're going to have hundreds, if not thousands of brands. So, you know, for example, the largest edible company in Colorado hadn't existed or wasn't in California until recently. The the top called flower brand in California, nobody knows other than in California. So, um, you know, it's like any brand who makes it, what's in it, what's the process, what's the packaging look like, what's the story or and narrative behind it. I was with a guy who I've gotten to know and, um, he happens to be the the CEO of of Wild. It's the it's the largest edible company in the country. And he's like, "Yep, we're a soccer mom brand. Like, that's it's a beautiful package. Um, you know, if he's listening, I think the product is pretty good. It's a very good looking package, and it makes the customer feel safe and secure. Um, so we followed the market. We wanted to look at trends, um, and you have to kind of figure out well who is your target customer. And then you design and create brands and products that cater to that customer. So, um, you know, a somebody who consumes the Jeff and Trish, you know, strain of flour, you know, to have fun at night is not going to be somebody who's going to take something to help them sleep. So we can't even grow herbs in our office. I'm not sure there's yeah. a Jeff and Trish strain. <laughs> so we've got, we've got, Time and basil didn't make it. Yeah. We've, so we've got a handful of brands. We've got Honeybee, uh, which is, um, you know, the, the Honeybee is, happens to be the Missouri State Insect. Um, our chef, Dave Owens, was the former uh, head chocolatier at Bissinger's. Um, and it is a dangerously good product. But, again, you got to take the right dose. Um, we uh, proper, our proper brands are everything that, uh, is directly related to the plant, the flower. So um, that comes in raw flower. Um, it comes in a pre-roll flower. It comes in concentrates, and it comes in various types of concentrates. Um, and that's the most authentic part of the plant. Uh, and then we develop 
the brand ratio, which uh, was intended to be a lifestyle-focused brand uh, where you have a hyper-predictable outcome based on the desired experience or feeling you're trying to achieve. And it's consistent, and you know what to expect, and you take the same dose every time. So it follows kind of some research from Israel, and we have it from kind of active to focus, creative, balance, relax, and soothe. Is that all based on CBD to THC ratios? Exactly. Yeah. And that's... Um, you that, hear that, Trish? Yeah. That was, see what there I you go. That was Drop there some go, ratio dude. knowledge. See? That was great. You know, there's... So is Honeybee yeah. a brand... Made, would you say it's honeybee made with proper yeah. flour? So Is that how our, you say it? So we're kind of a house of brands. So everything, if you look at our, if you look at our labels, it will say powered by proper. Got it. Um, so, you know, one of the things we've talked about is do we want um, the, the patients, the customers to see these as individual brands or that they're all related to proper? So, um, you know, we've gone back and forth, and I think really we, we, we want our brands to resonate under the umbrella of a proper brand. Do you sell more plant, or do you sell more manufactured edibles? Or Yeah, good question. So we have, uh, there's a lot of data. So This is where I was just thinking you need a business analytics person yeah. to put together what you need to move to different dispensaries. So still to this day, 50 to 60% of all consumers will consume flour. It's it's the leader. It will always be the leader. That's your and, so and for the for the ignorant listener out there or rolling the, uh, a joint, Jeffy. That's, yeah, that's, that's the, the, gr the green bag of grass. That's the grass. Got it. That's the ganja. That's the grass. That's the plant. Yeah. So fifty to sixty percent is typically flour. Um, Ten to fifteen percent is you know edibles. Um, the concentrate market is probably the fastest growing segment. That's about fifteen percent. Uh, vape pens is about 15%. Let's and, go into the safety of vape pens yeah. and, and just touch on that because I get asked this all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the last couple of years, you, you know, you saw uh, the headlines of this. And I think a lot of that's black market stuff. I mean, you look at what we do here, everything has to be tested um, and it has to go through a series of processes from seed to consumer, seed to sale. Um, you know, so we, we have our own quality control and R and D uh, process here. The state has to verify that in their own accolades and, and, uh, compliance provisions. And, uh, you know, you're going to have issues, but at the end of the day, it, it's what you're consuming first. And then does the technology and the equipment, is it compatible with, you know, the product? And I think, uh, I think a lot of the issues that you saw were really a result of the product itself, the oil, not necessarily the you know, the technology, but you know, that's a, I don't know if I answered your question. I, I think, and this is the same answer I give to patients. It's the black market. And then they were mixing the um, oils with things that they had no known idea. They would be harmful to the lungs. Yeah. So, so we, vitamin E. So we take a, uh, a pretty serious approach to our testing and we're now testing for terpenes um, and you've got all your uh, pesticides and fung fungicides and, you know, chemicals and, you know, things that you guys probably know. But you have to test for certain things. Every state has different testing provisions. And we, we uh, spend more per test to make sure that we um, get 
clarity from the health perspective, but also what's in the product from the terpene and cannabinoid perspective. And that's where we hope that the, the patient and our business customers can can eventually become more educated with because that's what people need to know. And that's a second layer, right? So you have a THC count, yep. you have a CBT, CBD and THC ratio. That's Those are one. the cannabinoids. Those yep. are one step. But then the makeup of the terpenes is a whole nother. And it can change the effect. Completely. Massively. Yeah. So right now, the Missouri market wants THC. Right. They want high THC. Which is... Which is across kind of, the board, and, and, of, and it's bogus, right? Um, but that's what they want, and in some regard, that's what they they'll get. Well, it's bogus from what regard? Well, because bogus gets you high. THC gets you high. No, it doesn't. I'll make it. I'll make it easy for yeah. you. We have THC, hundred percent THC on the market. Marinol medications that we have been around and are legal to prescribe to patients to with help cancer. with cancer and their anti nausea medications or um, medicines used for anorexia or a decreased appetite in certain health conditions. And those don't make people high. And it's 100% THC. So it's the terpenes, it's the ratio that... It is the com- It is the plant. The plant, ha- the plant is special. The terpenes in the plant uh, is what you'll have a different um, kind of reaction to. So you'll, you'll often hear like the sativa and the indica... The indica, like in the couch, and sativa is more euphora. And most of the plants nowadays are a hybrid. So you go to like the terpenes and say, okay, you know, what's the difference between an apple and an orange? You know, you've got different citric, you know, what's in between a, you know, spruce and a pine. So the plant is the same. You've got different terpenes and flavonoids that will really yield different outcomes. But this is really where your brand is super important then, right? Because my brain's saying, okay, so... Um, 20 to 30% ratio from proper yep. is not direct and, and correct me. This is more of a question, but 20 to 30% T- THC CBD ratio from proper isn't the same as the, another 20 to 30% from another dispensary or cultivator or whatever, potentially. Yes and no. I mean, really the, the terpene matters the most with the, um, oil and the flower. Most of the edibles and the products that you consume or digest are actually distilled to the point where all of those things are out. So some people call it hot dog water in the, in the cannabis space. It's just kind of the shit because you extract it and then you mix it with different ingredients and you don't need to preserve that, that, that flavor or terpene, right? So the, it matters the most when you're consuming the flour or the products that you're extracting to get everything in the flour. So if you go consume our ratio products or a honeybee, we're not marketing or talking about any of the cannabinoids or the terpenes. We're only talking about that with the flour and the concentrates. Got it. So, um, you know, it's like the, again, the, the private reserve wine versus, you know, the, the large batch or small batch bourbon versus the single barrel. But you're not talking out of school from a patient perspective. If a patient comes in and says, hey, I tried... 250 milligrams of whatever from whatever dispensary or dispensary they purchased an edible. And is it talking out of school if you said, hey, listen, go to a different dispensary and try something different. Try the proper brand. Would it potentially do something different? Yeah. So I think that the the extraction process could be different. Um, 
and uh, that the oil uh, that you're using could be different. Um, you know, in some regard, when you mix any oil and food product, you know, is it equally distributed? Uh, that could have an impact. The genetics uh, of the plant, does that make a difference? Yeah, not in the edibles because you've distilled right. everything out of it. So you're just getting to the, the amount of THC or CBD or the cannabinoid itself. Um, so it matters in the plant itself. So we, I, we, we actually just had a really cool testimony from a patient. Um, we have a strain called slurricane. It smells amazing. Think about this. Back in the day, you couldn't test any of this. So if you went and bought flour, how would you determine whether or not it was good? Smell. Smell. Taste. Taste, see, and then ultimately feel. Right. You know, like you can say, well, how much of this does it have? So it really, the smell and the taste, and that smell and the taste will eventually resonate with the patient, the consumer, based on those things. Do you have employees here who can smell... Oh yeah, and we have tell people. you exactly where. That yeah, I mean Matt claims he's the best, and and we have right. a lot of really good people. We have a we have a our quality control is very stellar. So that is amazing. Yeah, and then you know that's the that's the other thing that difference <laughs> cannabis semi. <laughs> yeah, it is. You know, and then the 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 post harvest process. So after you harvest, what you do with that plant over the next thirty days is actually what's going to differentiate yourself itself as an end product. So it's not like, Hey, you, you harvest, you cut and here you go. This kind of leads to one of Dr. Herford's questions, which is, um, that she wrote out on her outline, which was the future. What's the future. So one question about the future that kind of this, this seems to lead to is if the flower in the makeup of the flower is kind of the most potent thing and the makeup of the, cannabinoids and the terpenes and all that. How do you, how do you, how do you get flour in a form that patient Granny Smith can consume if she doesn't want to roll joints, smoke joints, things like that? Because I'm confused a little bit because you say, Hey, when you get to edibles, which is the, the easiest to consume for like our patient population, if, if the edibles are been distilled and what you really need to get to is the flour, how do we get flour to a point where it can be consumed different than rolling it, smoking it? Well, I mean, so we have, we have chemists here, uh, and we have extractionists here, and we have machinery that, that extracts the oil from the plant. Then you isolate the cannabinoids through additional chemistry to get the right profile of typically THC and CBD. You test that to make sure it's accurate. Then you have to make sure that amount equates with the right amount of ingredients and nutrition on any product you're making. You have to further test that. So, and the number of tests that our product goes through before the consumer or patient purchases it is, is probably three to four times, right? So, um, are tinctures the future? No, tinctures are one form factor. Right, so that is sublingual. It gets in your saliva glands, so the onset is going to be ten to fifteen minutes, and it will last uh, a couple hours. So it goes back to um, again, what's going on, and how can we connect the right product and form factor to help that particular issue? At the end of the day, here's what we have: we've got fifty or sixty different SKUs across four or five different brands and six different form factors. 
And if you come down to Proper Cannabis or you come to any of the stores that we supply, just ask them questions. And if you take our products, come back and let us know whether or not it's helped. So tell us about New Growth Horizon. So we um, part of the mission is we wanted to make sure that we had a, a, a sense of uh, philanthropy and giving back within our company culture. And uh, ironically, it, uh, studies show that when you give, there's a, what's called the helper's high. So we happen to be in the business of people consuming products. And we said, we're going to make sure we create a platform that we give back, um, you know, in various ways. So it started out by right now honoring uh, and recognizing em- employees um, who uh, we say exemplify our core values of our company and they choose charities of their choice. And we um, donate money to them. We invite them into this building and we talk about what we do and why we do it. And, um, you know, the expectation and goal is that as our company grows, the foundation grows and that we can be, a, you know, a big contributor to various, um, you know, um, various community organizations, I would say, you know, certainly mental health, um, you know, drug addiction, prison reentry, social equity programs, and, you know, for, for that matter, anything that's dear and near to your heart if you're an employee here. So if we can financially be successful, so will our foundation. Mr. John Pennington from Proper Cannabis. We have one more thing, Uh-oh. my good man. This is... Uh, hey, John, this was great. Thank you. Uh, it was amazing. Fun don't to wrap hear it about up. The, don't wrap it up I, yet. I'm not. I just... We've got I, visitors especially, here. Especially the new growth. I, I, that part, I, I really appreciate. All right, John, you don't know about this part, but this is our favorite part of the podcast. It is really the best part of the podcast. It's called Getting Hammered. With Dr. Trish and Jeff. All right. Five questions. Top of mind answers. Not... We don't need your deep philosophical views on oh any world this is the, politics. This is the Howard response, right? Yep. The Howard questions? This just okay. it. Shoot, bro. Five questions. Ready? Yeah, so just quick. No thought. Question. A little thought because okay. he'll make fun of you. I got it. I would never. Question number one. If you could time travel, where would you go? Probably back to the birth of Christ. Or the beginning of time. Okay, that's too different. Come on. Uh, I mean, you did history. Yeah. <laughs> There's a big gap said, there. Yeah, one of those. So fair enough. I'll, I'll leave. Okay, why? Um, where did things start? You know, and I would have loved to witness. So God. you could tell people. Well, I would have. Lo- I would love to witness God in formation form and God in human flesh. Wow. He's it's deep. The, he's so deep. Hold on. <laughs> We need a break. <laughs> oh, see, I'm making you guys nervous. <laughs> Not nervous. Trish is saying cut off, but you asked a question. Yeah. <laughs> question number two. What is the weirdest food you've ever eaten? Coagulated blood. That's nasty. Yeah. I lived in Spain and my uh, my Spanish mother used to cook in blood. It's a Spanish thing. So coagulated blood. I debated that question. Now I'm really glad I asked it. I mean, we can get you coagulated yeah. blood. And I, mar- I, ma- I married an Italian and like we've eaten a lot of weird shit. Uh. Question number three. If you could have dinner with any person who ever lived, who would it be? Well, yeah. I mean, I just, I'd it'd be God in human flesh. I knew that was going to be that answer, but I thought yeah. just in case I'd ask. I mean, him. like, you know, you can, you can ask anything at that point, right? Like, why did this happen? Like, right. Right. So that's easy. Do you think God in human flesh was a badass or gentle? Both. Okay. Yeah. That's like, that wasn't part of our questions, but I, I was thinking about that the other day. Was he like this Mac tough of, guy just kind of going after, like, I can do anything? Or was he like, I'm 
gentle and uh, both. clean your feet. Yeah, like yeah. Machiavelli said, is it better to be fear or loved? Right. And he was both. Both. Interesting. This is my drive home thoughts. <laughs> That's without consumption of your products. Question number four. What is one thing on your bucket list? Oh, boy. Um, I mean, I'd like to get to the point. I want to travel. I want to see, like, you know, crazy cool places and, you know, can, you know, yeah. I think travel to places that I haven't contemplated or seen, you know. Is there a place right now that you're like, man, I've never been there. I don't really want to go. Not really. I just, you know, have the freedom and flexibility to go. Which you don't have now. I, I mean, you know, not yet. You're got, building four, an empire here. Yeah. So what, what was the question? What's one thing I want to do? An item on your bucket list. Oh, yeah, that's it. Question five. This is a famous question. It's now officially been, it'll be the question forever, I think. I thought we were getting rid of this one, I thought. but I know, but then thinking. it just is always a good one. All right. It's interesting, those answers. If you could be any animal, what would it be and why? Well, I would probably say the lion because they say it's the king of the desert or jungle, but then they say the elephant is because it impacts every other animal. Um, He's deeper than everyone. I mean, honestly. <laughs> well, like... I mean, you know, the other thing about lions. I feel so stupid. I mean, an uh, elephant. Every pachyderm. goddamn time I talk to John, I leave the room going, God, I'm the dumbest son of a bitch. No, I, I mean, just listen, don't think what, what, animal, what animal would you be? I, I didn't answer this question. I didn't get this yeah. one. We had a flying squirrel in one of our guest members in this audience here. I mean, buffalo. I, you know, the, I, I don't know. the buffalo is still the one that makes me I mean, me may, laugh. maybe a whale. Because you could like see things that you can't see. Yeah, I mean, the oceans are far yeah. more expansive than our land. So. Right. But like, I don't want to be a small fish that like you get eaten and you don't experience the rest You're of the stuff. You're the predator. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Whales aren't predators. Top of the food chain. Not from okay. ego, but like from survival. You know what I'm saying? I got it. Uh, you guys are hard. I, I don't know. I was going something simple like a giraffe. <laughs> Well, but you got to say why, like, because you want to stick your neck out? Or? I just want to be taller than everyone. <laughs> well. I'm going to scare a lot of your listeners away. No, I? no, man. This is awesome. would like to thank our guest, Mr. John Pennington with Proper Cannabis. Reachable at propercannabis.com. Check out their products. Check out everything they're doing. It's really amazing what they're what they're offering. Hey, let's give those locations for the dispensaries. South County, St. Louis, Warrington, Missouri. But again, you can find us all over the state. Our products are everywhere in Missouri. So until next time, this has been the Double Dose Podcast with PA Jeff and Dr. Trish. Thanks, John. <laughs>